0: All right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin.
1: I'm Clayton. And I'm
0: your romance novel veteran.
1: And I'm the Voychin. And
0: we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton.
1: Hi, Erin.
0: So this is our first of this these new episodes that we're trying, um, where we have like our main episode where we're talking about the book, and then we have these little episodes where we just kind of talk about what we want to talk about, and then let you guys know what we're reading next and any updates. I
1: think I'm going to call them mini-sodes.
0: From My Favorite Murder?
1: Oh, I think a lot of podcasts do that.
0: Okay. It's, okay. I mean, if it's a known podcast thing. Yeah, I don't think they Minnesota. have any
1: sort of copyright over mini
0: Cool. We'll take it. They have so much money. We can't go up against them. I can't. I cannot be involved in a lawsuit during Pisces season in 2021. I refuse.
1: Yeah, I, I doubt they'll. You know, and listen, if they do, that's on them.
0: <laughs> no, it's very much on us. Well, yeah, I don't. I'm talking karmically. <laughs> oh.
1: I don't I don't think about that. I think karmically always.
0: Right. Right. You always look at everything with like a 10,000 year view. You're You've like, got... what is this really going to mean? You've got to. Um. So there's a few big happenings in romance recently. Mm-hmm. The biggest being that the Duke of Hastings was on SNL on Saturday.
1: gay jean Yeah, no, he wasn't just on SNL. He hosted SNL.
0: He hosted. And I think I saw this on Twitter, but also at, like, first off, he did an amazing job. But the energy coming off of the crowd during that episode was electric. Like, these people were jazzed up to 11. Yes. Like, they were laughing at everything. They were ooing at every sexy thing he said. I mean, they were, I don't think I've ever seen... Or in a long time, have I seen an SNL audience that was that, like, with the host from the get? And it made it a really, it was a really great episode. What did you think?
1: Well, so as you know, Aaron, because you're married to producer Patty, mm-hmm. uh, he and I spend a uh, an exorbitant, uh, I can't even say a word. I always try for words that I can't say. <laughs> exorbitant. It's close
0: enough. Exorbitant.
1: Yeah. Amount of time talking about SNL. It's true. So I'm going to save my opinions, deep opinions on SNL for me and Pat's inevitable SNL podcast, which (laughs) we need to just do because we just spend hours and hours talking about it. I think that on a very basic level, just judging him as the host, I think he acquitted himself very well. And he's a he was a very out-of-left-field pick for SNL because they rarely do TV actors. And especially Netflix actors. It seemed like an odd pick and an out-of-left-field pick because I know that Bridgerton's huge. I know that it's huge on that level of, you know, streaming success. But... I I feel like maybe this is really a huge step in mainstreaming something like Bridgerton because, you're right, that crowd was hot. Now, a lot of those people were, I think, either super fans who lined up or I know they're giving tickets to essential workers and I don't Mm -hmm. know if they asked a lot of them, hey, what do you think of Bridgerton? Do you like Bridgerton? Or is Bridgerton just that big that it's very easy to find Women and men that would freak out when they see him to be in the audience. But yeah, it wasn't I think Styles didn't Harry Styles have a hot crowd like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like who wouldn't, though? I would absolutely faint in the presence of Harry Styles.
1: I think it's the those kind of heartthrob types Mm -hmm. that really do it when this show uh, on this show where they really have a lot of whoops and the woman during the monologue who screamed yeah <laughs> which is always fun but the thing is you know my experience with him was bridgerton where i thought right. he was really good and he's a hottie but though you know we we've had mixed Opinions on Bridgerton itself, like how how much we really enjoyed. I think you enjoyed it more than I did, but I think he did like a really, really good job. And I I do see like, wow, this guy could do a lot of other things like he he definitely has that star quality.
0: Yes, 100 percent. Well, I think, you know, it was there's a few things going on there with like him being the host where I think it's like SNL has had a really hard time getting host this season because. Nobody has anything to promote. People don't want to travel. Which I think is ultimately like a good thing as far as like getting some new blood into SNL, which I think is like the kind of can be the issue with SNL. They tend to go to the same wells and drain them dry. And there is something about having the host be somebody who is like a talented, classically trained actor in a way that they're just going to be able to be better in scenes because they are talented, (laughs) classically trained actors. But also... What I really loved about the episode, and this didn't necessarily have anything to do with him, but it was like a a, like a return to silly for SNL, where I feel like for so long, SNL has been about like these political commentaries and all those things. And they're always trying to like tread this weird line of like, like we offend both sides or whatever. And it always comes off as like really bizarre and false to then have have Saturday show be. So many just like really silly, bizarre concepts. I loved that it was a return to that. And it was really fun, too, to see, like you said, I've only ever seen him as um in Bridgerton as well, but he was in a show called for the People, um that people liked as well. I've only seen him be serious and how funny he was and how well he fit into all of those scenes, too. It was like it was super fun to watch. And it was like, The first time in a long time that I would like rewatch an episode of SNL because there was a lot in there that was really good. Yeah. Well,
1: I will disagree on the quality of it. I do agree that it was it is better now that it isn't so Trump obsessed. Right. Someone like who I actually very much like Heidi Gardner. Heidi Gardner doesn't need to be doing political stuff. That's just not what she does. She, that she makes goofy characters. That's her thing. So just let her do that. And I think you're right. It is refreshing that they're able to do stuff that isn't Trump obsessed or politically obsessed now. For me the writing's just not there, and that's one of those things that ebbs and flows. Same thing with the cast. I complain about SNL all the time, but 3 years ago it was really really good right now it's kind of in a downturn because a lot of the people are have been there for too long but i wouldn't say i'd rewatch this episode but i definitely think compared to some of the episodes in the last few seasons it definitely had a attempt at a funner energy
0: it felt different it felt like something different than from a long time i agree i think the the cast is like Bloated, there's a lot of people who look exactly the same and have the exact same sense of humor. I mean, the the one skit that I thought felt like so short and out of left field and just stale was like the grocery, the like the wrapping in the grocery store one, where I was just like, this was fun 15 years ago. And now it just seems kind of like sad and desperate. And all of these guys are way too old to be doing this.
1: Reggae. Was very good in the monologue. I thought mm-hmm. he showed so many sides of himself. Right? He can sing.
0: That was so good. Yeah.
1: The I know I who for, knew
0: he could sing.
1: I mean, of he's course, he's
0: like a legit singer. Of course, oh,
1: yeah. he could sing. Right? Of course. <laughs> and then the "I Burn for You" got a huge pop from the audience, and it was awesome. You know, it was the basic idea: all the girls at SNL are hot for him. Great. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's it's not a novel premise, but whatever. It's the monologue. It's the last thing they write. So he definitely acquitted himself well. Like the prayer sketch where they go back and forth, the white family and the black family, in like their adamance of their of their praying and their singing. I thought that was kind of fun. I thought he did a very good job of that because he his voice was really good. Mm-hmm. The job interview was not great but he was really funny in it because he played a very serious guy who's who's trying to get hired from this crazy ad uh ad agency Mm -hmm. and i thought he did really well in that which was a pre-tape so i think he did you know he did a good job
0: yeah he did a great job um i love the sea shanty one yeah that that i
1: wasn't huge i i wasn't a huge fan of
0: yeah well that's the youngins though that's us young people in tiktok (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, no, I mean, I know that sea shanties are big on TikTok. I just didn't love the execution of that sketch.
0: And of course, the driver's license sketch, I absolutely love.
1: Well, okay, That was great. So that shows the I knew I was not going to do this, but talk about the weakness of that male cast is so evident in that sketch Mm -hmm. because, number one, that's a great song. And I totally agree with the premise of that sketch where that song just is so universal because of its specificity. And I think it's great. And I've listened to it a ton because it's just right. because it, who can't relate you to that? Who yeah, can't relate perfect. to driving past their ex's house when they're a teenager? Now, don't do it now. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an age limit to driving past your ex's house. I think once, well, once
0: you can go to like bars or something. that's
1: yes. Once you can Stop go to bars, past your
0: ex's house. Yeah. perfect,
1: that is the line. Once you can go to bars, don't drive past your ex's house. And the thing is, is that, you know, those the characters in it were so they they were so like level one improv voices that yeah. those guys were doing and they're none of them are likable. Like, I, I just can't look at these guys really as somebody I want to root for. And that that I think shows just like the weakness of the male cast on SNL. But the premise of the sketch was good.
0: And that's the thing, too, is that when you do have somebody like uh, Reggae jean who isn't like, obviously, I well, actually, I don't know what his background is, but I assume he's not like a sketch actor and um, how much he was able to elevate every skit that he was in were like. Every sketch, he was the best part of the sketch just by like his dynamic and how good he is and how believable he was and how funny he was, how he fit into everything. And it's kind of like, that's great because it made for like a really great, watchable, super fun episode. But then it does show you the weakness of the cast where like there was nobody who could go toe to toe with him. And this is these people's like day to day job. That's the thing. And like that's like, that's a bummer. I think for the male cast as well, like I definitely do think that the women are, are stronger in general. I mean, not all of them though, but like there are stronger women than there are men. And I think like, honestly, you could get rid of every member of the male cast. And I think it'd be fine other than Bowen Yang, but I don't, I know you don't like Bowen, but I love him.
1: No, I, the thing with Bowen is that he has a thing. He has a, he has a thing, which is something that the other guys don't really he at least he has a has, point of view. He has. Yeah. And he has a note that he hits and he might hit mm-hmm. that note a lot, but at least he has a different note. It sounds different. It when mm-hmm. he comes into a scene, you do know what you're going to expect. And it's it's something different. I mean, I think Leslie Jones had this a similar thing. Leslie Jones um. was not good in sketches a lot of times because she was bad at reading cue cards. But the thing with her is that when she came into a scene, you knew she was there. Mm-hmm. And she was great in pre-tapes. And she did. And she was a star. Like, she was just a star. She was actually too big for that show.
0: Yeah. So keep all the women and Bowen and just get rid of-
1: Well, don't keep knows. all the women. I mean, like, see, we can't get into this. Because there's some people yeah. that are long in the tooth here that just need to go. Because
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, totally. You
1: know, because they used to be great. And now it's just, you got to- you can't stay in college for your whole life.
0: That's what I was. I was like, should there be term limits for SNL?
1: <laughs> there there should we be legally enacted term limits. Absolutely.
0: I don't, I don't know why Biden isn't on this. He is <laughs> so lazy. But yeah, there should be because it's like, no matter who you are, most people don't know when to leave a party, myself included. I never know. I'm if you invite me to a party, I will be the last one there. And it'll be embarrassing for me and for you but it's just not a skill that I have. And I think like for something like SNL, it's like you need to know when it's time to head out. Yeah. And it seems like now people just stay literally forever, even if they have like their own television shows. It's like that now is time to go. If you have your own TV show, it's time to go. Well, the media you landscape
1: know? has changed where there's nowhere for them to go. They can't become movie stars. Yeah. And sitcoms. There are sitcoms, but very rarely the fact that Keenan has a sitcom now is is a really big deal because usually you could just spin off into a sitcom because there were so many places that had those.
0: Yeah. Do you know who the show winner is of that sitcom?
1: David Caspi. Yeah. Happy so. Endings. Yeah. So that's exciting. I haven't watched it yet. But Mm -hmm. that's the thing, too. But yeah, definitely. And we'll wrap this up because this is a lot of SNL talk that I knew (laughs) I I wasn't supposed to do this. I talked to Pat uh, yesterday because we talked about SNL for about an hour and a half. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk about SNL like that. I'm just going to talk about the quality of the host. And I can't do it. I have no self-control, especially when it comes to (laughs) SNL. I, I mean, the
0: intimacy coordinator, that sketch was great, too. Well, you
1: know, that's actually, it's funny that you, you, you said that because that's one that I didn't want to like because Pete Davidson and Mikey Day were the main characters doing goofy voices, but it worked. Mm -hmm. That sketch actually worked. It was dirty in a way that was juvenile, but I will admit I got a few giggles out of it.
0: Yeah. And also like, am I so desensitized that like, I didn't think Bridgerton was like the sexiest thing going (laughs) Like, everybody talks about how much sex there was. And I feel like I'm always like, oh, yeah, there, there yeah, there, yeah, there was. I don't know. I've, my brain is broken. But I was just, it does not seem like crazy to me.
1: I agree. I did not Blink an eye at the sex. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it was expe- especially gratuitous amount of sex for a TV show. I feel like it's it's like these people had never watched Sex in the City or Californication or Shameless or any of these shows that are on premium cable. That's the thing is like there's worse stuff on Shameless. Yeah. Which I've seen maybe like one or two episodes of.
0: I'm like, is it that he goes down on her? And so people are very... Like, don't see that very often. But even that, I feel like I was watching some TV show the other day and somebody was, like, fully going down on someone else. Young Sheldon? It, I think it was Young Sheldon. I think it might have been an old Three's Company. <laughs> no, I think it it was... um, and Maybe it was Dickinson. Anyway, but it was, like, I don't know. No, it I, was I just Dick find that really son. interesting. <laughs> That's a famous, like, drag queen name, Janice Dickinson. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great one. My favorite one is Lisa new car.
1: Lisa new car. Um, God, they're so clever.
0: <laughs> they really They
1: should like. you should get drag queens to name every product. I don't understand why when new products are are created, they don't have a drag queen on staff to name it.
0: And you know they would be able to do it as they're going the ashore. <laughs> yeah, they'd work. They'd be like, "Uh, flippy flops, that's fine. They'd, we got they'd it." They'd work yeah, five minutes a day. Uh, we'll do that one. <laughs>
1: exactly. Name the new car. But pay them. And get out.
0: (laughs) Well, my favorite drag queen name of all time is Karen from (laughs) Finding I just think it's so funny. That's great. Is there another cast member on Bridgerton that you would want to see on host SNL?
1: Well, of course, our girl. Oh, Eloise. Eloise. Eloise, She's the only other person.
0: She would be really good. Oh, she would actually be amazing.
1: But I don't think she's a big enough. She's not like one of the main leads now.
0: Right, maybe in like four years when it's her season. Yeah,
1: but that's the only other person I would I would say. How about you? Is there anybody that you would want to host?
0: I mean, I would have said Nicola Coughlin because I do just love her. Oh, Claudia Jesse, that's the actress who plays Eloise. But now that you said Eloise, I'm like, oh, that's the obvious choice. That's the one I want.
1: It's cool that romance is crossing over with SNL.
0: What if we get a Jack? What if we get oh, a Charmaine? Don't
1: even tease me. <laughs> Mm. With
0: a Charmaine hosted SNL. (laughs) Should we put together an (laughs) SNL packet that's just Charmaine jokes? (laughs) We have to. Yes. Let's write
1: a spec SNL episode Mm -hmm. that is hosted by Lauren Hemersley.
0: Yes. It would be so niche. (laughs) But it would be. (laughs) The people who get it would love it.
1: Um, Because she she has a comedy background, number one. So she Mm -hmm. would nail it. I mean, but also Jack doing it would be great because he's the kind of straight-ahead regular actor that's good-looking that could be put in a lot of these sketches where he just gets to play the hunk.
0: Right. I think he would be really fun. Yeah.
1: You know, Virgin River is not as big as Bridgerton, but it's bigger in our hearts. And I also think it's a it is a show that gets. A lot of viewers but it's not talked about as much because it's not as it's not shondaland and it's not as big netflix didn't make as big of a deal about it but i bet you i mean the the amount of viewers on virgin river are huge
0: well i think that like the amount of viewers of virgin river it's like not far from bridgerton it's not like bridgerton i think is definitely number one but it's like virgin river is up there whenever i see like ranked Netflix shows so it's like the audience is there for Virgin River but here's the thing I do think there's an aspect of Bridgerton that it was marketed as everyone's going to be watching the show and it is scandalous and it is different Mm -hmm. and I think Virgin River I don't know if the marketing was the same and I feel like Virgin River before I watched it I assumed it was another like hallmarky schmaltzy show and Obviously, it surprised me and it surprised you and we're like truly obsessed with it and love it. And it's so silly and it's so over the top and it's so much fun. But I, I don't know that there's anything in the marketing of Virgin River that lets you know what you're actually yes. getting. And so therefore, I think people who watch it obviously love it. But I think people who don't, I think there might be a little bit of like stigma about watching it because people are like, oh, you're into that like weird Hallmark mm-hmm. show. And it's like, no, it's wild. You got to watch it. It's really fun. Where it's like, honestly, it's better than This Is Us and freaking everyone watches This Is Us.
1: Yeah, I will agree.
0: Who knows? We got it. Uh, we got a Virgin River email from Shannon. G- what um, do you want to say your
1: last name? I think we should just say Shannon because you never know if somebody wants to okay. be a- anonymous or at least anonymous enough that we don't know their last name.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, hopefully that's a last name that's like common enough. Anyway, so we got an email from Shannon and she talks about how she found us through Faded mates, our besties. She's currently reading the Rule of Scoundrel series. A Freaking fantastic series. Here's the thing everyone always wants to bring us to task for, and Shannon's no exception. She writes, Charmaine, though, seriously, y'all don't think she's at all manipulative. I mean, I realize she didn't plan to get pregnant, but she texted 911 over the sink. Come on, that's not a 911 worthy text to your ex when you're having a high risk pregnancy. The bar was busy, he's taking down potheads, he has shit to do and could have gone to fix the sink later in the day, because he would have, because he's Jack. And fixing shit is what he does as long as it's not his own emotional issues or PTSD. Okay, so she <laughs> nailed
1: Jack. Absolutely. One thing I'll take on bridge with is the bar is busy. Jack doesn't care. That's not something Jack cares about.
0: How's she going to, she doesn't know that. Because, because oh, yeah.
1: Preacher will be taking care of that. So,
0: and the only thing Jack gives less of a shit about than the bar uh, is Charmaine. Y- yes. Like, he does not care about that bar.
1: We do know Charmaine is manipulative. That's the thing, is that yeah. we're not saying she's not manipulative. I think, and I don't want to speak for you, because you can speak after I speak. That sounded, wow, what, what,
0: that's, <laughs> that insane. We we need to, let's isolate that out there. You can, <laughs> no, you shut up while I'm talking. Uh, you can speak after I speak. <laughs> wow, everybody. She is
1: manipulative. For a reason, and she has the right to be at this point. Yes. And we understand that We understand yeah. that she is ostensibly the villain, but like all good villains, they are relatable, and you can be on their side to a point.
0: Right. Yeah, I know is manipulative, and I know she's devious, and I know she just does things to fuck with Jack, and I love her for but it. But also- These aren't negatives and also
1: water damage is legit. So if you have a sink that is backed up and it's gonna overflow, that is a 911 situation in my book.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and also when you have hormones raging through your body, and I've never been pregnant, but I imagine being pregnant is like just getting a lot of hit of hormones, like The smallest thing does seem catastrophic. So it's like if she wants to do something with her sink and she can't because it's backed up to her, that is an emergency. Or she was just doing it to see how fast Jack would come. And you know what? Fine. I'm fine with it. She is currently knocked up and having a high risk pregnancy. He trapped her in Hope's basement for he tried to misery her. And now she's finally free and she just wants to sort of yank that chain and good for her. Do it. I think everybody should.
1: Well, Shannon, we don't want to bash your email and and bash your opinions because we love that email. Obviously, a huge fan like us. And Mm -hmm. we love talking about Virgin River. Obviously, we're very passionate about it. So... Clap back if you want. Let's keep this conversation going because I'll talk about Virgin River till, you know, till the cows come home.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. This was such a fun. Um, This was such a f- fun email to read. She gives some dirt about Ricky and Lizzie. That was great. And things like should that. Should we read a Virgin mm-hmm. River? I think we should. Right? Sh- Shannon, let us
1: know. The first one. What Virgin River yeah. we should read. Mm-hmm. Because after reading her email, I'm definitely jonesing for a little bit of Jack before this third season
0: all right well we said this was going to be a 20 minute episode and that seems we won't past that but let's talk about next week so next week first things first is we're gonna have a very exciting guest we're gonna have Carly Lane Perry she is a writer uh she writes about sci-fi and more importantly she writes about romance for us she runs a newsletter called kissing books she's Uh, really super fun on Twitter. If you don't follow her yet, you should follow her. And we are going to be reading Getaway Girl by Tessa Bailey. People have been recommending Tessa Bailey and yelling at us about Tessa Bailey. I think for the two years we've been doing this. So finally, we're doing it because uh, Carly said that she was a big fan. And so I'm like, okay, then this is all perfect.
1: Yeah, do we want to flap it? So, yeah, do you want to read it? I think you read read it 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 because I don't have it in front of me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I should read it because you have nothing to read. All right, so here's the flap. This unlikely getaway driver never expected to help the mayor escape. After a six-year absence, Addison Potts is back in Charleston to stir things up. And what better place to make her villainous return than her estranged cousin's wedding? Only, the nuptials hit a snag when the bride doesn't show, leaving Addison to play getaway driver for the jilted groom. A groom whose heartbreaking smile and deep southern drawl she should not be noticing. Elijah Montgomery DuPont is the future mayor of Charleston. From his military career to City Hall, every detail of his life has been meticulously planned until now. His only respite from life's sudden upheaval is Addison, his new and probable best friend. She makes him happy, grounds him, and public disapproval be damned he is not willing to give her up. But with an election on the line and public pressure rising, Addison and the cruel hand of fate might not give him a choice.
1: Wow. So, Tessa Bailey is supposed to be the queen mm-hmm. of dirty talk, correct? Okay.
0: Yes, correct. i a going
1: to hold her to a high standard.
0: That's the thing that people have said to us about reading Tessa Bailey. And honestly, we got recommended a ton of different Tessa Bailey books. So I think if we really love this one, I imagine we'll probably read another one. Uh, I'm super excited for this to read a contemporary because we haven't read a contemporary in so long.
1: Yeah, we read so. historicals and then a future book. And then well, uh, the book. future book was the alien book. I'm assuming that that all happened in the future.
0: They don't say, though. Time is a circle.
1: The yellow king is back, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I went to a baby shower this weekend, obviously virtual, and it was it's actually like a good friend of Pat's. I don't know a lot of her friends. So anyway, so I show up to the virtual baby shower and she's like, "Um, Aaron just read a book about alien romance. And I was listening to the podcast. That's what she does. And I was like, oh, well, hi. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like that's a big lead. Oh, you so know?
1: you were introduced as the woman who reads filthy alien books.
0: Yeah, I don't it's not an unfair categorization, but I feel like it's just a small part of
1: the rich tapestry what of what you what you do. Yes, absolutely. Well, Erin, where can they find us?
0: <laughs> so you can always email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com. Your thoughts on Virgin River on basically anything. Um, if you have books to recommend, we just got a really good recommendation in the email to us that I think we're probably going to put into motion pretty soon we are on twitter at learning the tropes we're on instagram at learning tropes Instagram's where we are most of the time so that's where we post sort of what the next book we're going to read is and all that fun stuff and then finally we are on facebook we have the learning the tropes troop so come join us there if you want to chit chat about episodes or kind of happenings in romance um we're happy to to have you All right, everybody. Well, happy reading and we will see you next week.